All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. What is up, Canucks fans? It's Irfan Gafar here filling in for David Quadrelli on Canucks Conversation. This on Wednesday, January 9th, 2024. Today's episode of Canucks Conversation is a presentation of our friends at Four Winds Brewing. Family owned and operated in Delta, home to Four Winds Light Lager. A crisp, clean, and easy drinking beer. A beer for everyone. A perfect beer before, after, or during the game. Ask for Four Winds Light Lager at your local liquor, liquor store or have some delivered right to your door through the online shop at fourwindsbrewing.ca. Harm, the Vancouver Canucks are tied for second place overall in the NHL after sweeping the New York portion of their road trip. And as 50 Cent once said, I run New York. That's exactly what the Canucks did on Broadway, didn't they? It's pretty unbelievable. Honestly, it's getting surreal at this point, just how dramatic the 180-degree turn has been for this team in terms of how bad they've been in previous seasons to now they're going in and like, it's one thing for them to have been a playoff team that I think was, was pretty conceivable going into the season, but for them to look like a contender quality side and just feast on teams like the devils, the Rangers. I mean, the Islander Islanders are a little, are rung below that, but still second leg of a back to back, three games and four nights to turn in a performance like that. I mean, I just 
it's it's hard to fathom. It's hard to believe, but it's so much fun. Sustainability was something that I think we all thought when we looked at this team in the beginning of the season, when they went on their runs that they didn't be like, they're going to come back to earth at some point. And then they're going to, something's going to happen. You know, injuries are obviously a part of the season and knocking on wood, this team has remained relatively healthy aside from Carson Soucy. But when you look at it from their first through their first 41 games, What's been your biggest takeaway? I know everything's been a surprise. It's been great, but what's been your biggest takeaway? Well, for this Canucks team, they've always had star level contributors, right? We, we know they've been able to win their matchups when Pedersen's on the ice, when Hughes is on the ice. I think the big difference this year is they're winning their matchups when those stars are on the bench. And what I mean by that is I pulled it up for the show. So you look at the numbers when Elias Pettersson and JT Miller are both on the bench. So, so essentially, uh, I mean, up until recently, they were playing on different lines. So that's, that's a proxy there for, you know, the bottom six being on the ice. Bottom six is on the ice. The Canucks at five on five have a plus 20 goal differential. They're pummeling teams <laughs> when their best players are off the ice uh, compared to last season when Pettersson and Miller are on the bench. You got lines three and four on the ice. Canucks were a minus 22 goal differential. So that's a, that's a 42 goal differential swing. That's massive. That's colossal. And that comes from this management group making shrewd depth additions. I mean, Pia Suter has been a great ad. Teddy Bluger, Dakota Joshua from two, two years ago, one of their original first ads. Connor Garland, the idea of, okay, he's not fitting in the top six. Yeah. Let's have him be the engine of a bottom six line. So that we're feasting on lower level competition. That's been uh, a fantastic uh, I- idea. And the same idea also extends to the bottom four uh, on the blue line in the sense that, okay, last season the Canucks were handily outscoring teams, outshooting teams, outchanting teams when the Quinn Hughes pair was on the ice. But last year, remember, second pair was OEL Myers and they would get crushed on a night in night out basis pretty much the same thing with the third pair now you actually have this defense by committee thing is is working so to me that's the biggest takeaway halfway into the season is there's just a night and day difference in the depth contributions of how they're controlling play uh, which has really raised the profile of this team you mentioned defense by committee i think when rick talkett said that early on in the season we all kind of laughed and said really not with this defense. There was something that you had to improve on. Then they went out and they acquired Nikita Zadorov. We'll get into him a little bit later. But are you at all surprised at the way this defense has been able to play night in and night out? And I know they're getting help from the forwards and the back checking is obviously better and they're getting stellar goaltending. But are you surprised at just his defense alone and how well that they've been able to play? Definitely. I mean, I figured it would be improved, especially with yeah. the full year of uh, Hronik. But the other the other contributors like Ian Cole, I mean Carson Susie, when he's been healthy, has been solid. I mean, even a guy like Noah Juleson stepping in there uh, and providing capable bottom pair minutes. And for all the criticism that Tyler Myers gets, <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's made loud mistakes. He's never gonna live up to that contract. And I mean, at this point, you only have the final year to 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 play out of it. But a right shot defenseman like that capably holding down second third pair minutes i think he's been fine like i don't even think he's a liability at this point in the sense that you, you still occasionally see, see people going like oh should the canucks perhaps when we're talking about upgrading the blue line should they 
find a way to get rid of him and find someone else? I mean, honestly, no, because Myers is, is still uh, a capable everyday defenseman. So yeah, I have been pleasantly surprised by how this blue line has held up. And especially because when they acquired Heronic, I sort of looked at the composition of the rest <laughs> of the blue line and I went, you're, you, you probably don't have enough bottom four talent to stack Hughes and Heronic together. And yet they've been able to do that, which has also helped boost that first pair in the sense that Hughes finally has a high-end partner to play with. And the only reason you can do that is because the second and third pairs can actually hold their own even without Philip Heronic driving the bus. Jeff Patterson had a great tweet. And the Canucks have never had two defensemen in the same season combined for more than 100 points. Quinn Hughes is alone on the pace for 102. And Philip Ronick, they're probably going to get around 170 combined. So first of all, are you shocked that they've never had two combined for 50 points? And secondly, Quinn Hughes getting to 100, right? Yeah, especially if the power play gets yeah. going. I mean, he's got like a 10-point even strength lead uh, among NHL defensemen. So if this man advantage gets going at all, then his point it's gonna it's gonna going to be like early season Quinn when the power play was rolling <laughs> where he's picking up two three points and, and it uh, every night and it doesn't even feel like uh, he's breaking a sweat out there and I mean what a commanding performance again from him last night I think he's got a decent shot to to get to a hundred and I mean you you asked me am I shocked by that stat about before this season um, no no Canucks defenseman sort of combining for yeah hundred. Uh, 100, uh, 100 points uh, as a pair. I, I wouldn't say I'm shocked because it's not like this <laughs> franchise has a decorated history of high-end defensemen, but it's still pretty surprising. I, I mean, I, I figured maybe in the 2011 days you might have had, especially because of like a Christian, Christian Airhoff and, and Sammy you know, Sallow, maybe. Maybe Alex Adler. Adler there. I, I figured they would have uh, beat that. So I'm surprised, but not quite shocked because... Again, before Quinn, the the franchise's history with uh, number one defenseman has been pretty thin. Yeah, and I think that going back and and you look at obviously the the defenseman on this team, and you know obviously Matthias Olin days way back then, and different guys. It's it's just crazy that you were even talking about this in January, though that they're going to eclipse something. Like how many stats has this team has this team already broken? or eclipsed or set franchise records. And we're only through 41 games um, heading back and looking at some of their depth. Okay. Dakota Joshua, 11 goal, Sam Lafferty, nine, Niels Hoaglander, 12. And I think that when you've alluded to the depth of this team and being able to contribute night in and night out, it's those guys. Like if they can get contributions, I think from those guys at one point that Joshua Garland Bluger line was probably when they're rolling one of, if not the best third line in hockey, if that line can get going again, which, I mean, Dakota Joshua just scored the other night. So if that line can get going again, I mean, that's the depth that you need come playoff time. They've been rolling, and I think the only reason that Tockett can stick with this lotto line uh, and be confident enough with his depth from line two, lines two to four is the fact that this Garland-Joshua Blue line has, for the most part, been... yeah really really good in terms of controlling play and it's not just the offense that they're chipping in they barely surrender chances against they rarely get scored on so that's a line when even if there's a night where they're not getting on the score sheet at five on five they're still going to spend the majority of their shifts in the offensive zone they're still going to control play and that helps build momentum that's a line that 
on many occasions earlier in the season, Canucks might get off to a bit of a flat start, especially at the top of the lineup before the lotto line was put together. There were a lot of nights where you just didn't have enough juice from the Pedersen and Miller lines in terms of controlling play, creating offensive chances. And you wondered, okay, is this going to be an off night for the team as a whole? But then it's this line that just gives them that spark of energy. It's it's like downing a can of Red Bull. <laughs> uh, they just get to work on the forecheck. And again, that's, I think, the big reason why Tockett can play his three best forwards together is knowing that, okay, I, I at least have one other line in the middle six that has also been performing at a really high level. And this is where, I mean, Garland, sure, the, the point totals might not yeah. be be overly impressive, especially if you're not watching the Canucks on a night in, night out basis. If you're like the out of market, just general NHL fan, you may look at that and go, oh, 4.95 million, not the best production. You hear the rumors around the start of the season around, oh, are, are the Canucks shopping Garland? Change his think, agent like, because he didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. Exactly. And I don't think you realize Garland's value until you watch him on a night in, night out basis, especially because Bluger and Joshua before the season have never been third line caliber players. They've been fourth liners. So uh, you're, you're bang on. I mean, to have this level of, um, of contributions further down the lineup, it is, I think the big difference maker, because if you were to split the Canucks season into 20 game segments, I think in the first 20 games, the top two lines at five and five were, we're feasting, right? JT Miller on a, on a, even in a matchup role in October, which is eating Connor McDavid's yeah. um, lunch. That slowed down, I think, in the second, like in the last 20 games or so, in terms of they haven't at five on five uh, been the same. And that's where I think the depth in the last 20 games has been, has been a big reason why they've continued rolling and winning hockey games. It's crazy because the NHL put out its updated all star fan vote list earlier in the week and it, it the Canucks conceivably could have five all-stars. Quinn Hughes is already in. Elias Pettersson is near the top of the voting. So is JT Miller, uh, Brock Besser, and Thatcher Demko is the leading goalie. Can you imagine a scenario? We're going to laugh about this for a second because you could have five Canucks going to the all-star game and wait, it's in Toronto. So how, <laughs> like, I, I think it just writes itself. Yeah, I mean, all that uh, West Coast media bias. Oh, right? yeah, of course. We uh, We don't wake up early enough to watch those East coast games. Uh, but no, I mean, in all seriousness, I, I referenced this. I think it was last week. Uh, Jay fresh on Twitter yeah. had uh, his poll, sending it out to hockey fans as a whole, asking him to vote on um, all-star teams, because we all know with the current way it's done, one representative from every team, it's a joke. <laughs> it's uh, true. I agree. It, it, exactly. So, I mean, Jason Dickinson's probably going to go oh, to the all- I was just about to game. say that. Former Canuck Jason Dickinson. <laughs> I think they're going to send Kur- Kudrashev, but it's probably, it should be Dickinson. Yeah. Um, but I, And the, the point uh, I was going to make was with that poll, with NHL fans, not just Canucks fans, they had five Canucks going to the All-Star game. So, league-wide, they're getting that um, recognition. I don't know if five will actually go. That would be a lot, and I don't even know if those core guys, all five of them, want to go to the All Star no, game. No, I can guarantee you, not all five of them want to go. So I don't think Demko wants to go. JT Miller for sure doesn't want to go. Brock probably not. I think Pedersen would go just because it. I mean, obviously went last year, but I think the the entertainment value for him because of his the way his his mind works, and how humorous he is. I think he would just laugh about the whole thing. But and I think Quinn Hughes is obviously he's Quinn Hughes. Yeah. He he knows he's got to deal with the media stuff and all that. But yeah, it's it's just wild. 
Um, it should be fun, obviously, the Toronto game, the All-Star game being in Toronto. Time for Wendy's daily face-off survivor pool game. Shots on goal, goals against average, and points per game can make or break your week. But don't overlook BPMM, Wendy's Bacon Portobello Mushroom Melt. Sure, it may not help you win weekly prizes with Wendy's and daily face-off survivor pool fantasy, but unlike your predictions, it never disappoints. So try your luck. Don't push it because the Bacon Portobello Mushroom Melt is only back for a limited time. And if you miss it, you won't get a second chance. Sign up for Daily Face-Off Survivor Pool Fantasy today, sponsored by Wendy's and the Wendy's app. Now, we are going to be joined by a man who I am probably very likely going to owe a steak dinner to at some point down the road, Mr. Frank Saravalli. Frank, welcome. What's good, my man? How are you? What was our bet again? Steak dinner for the Canucks to play 500 hockey all the way through. Oh God. Yeah. You're, you might already, you might've already lost. Well, the fact that you forgot it probably means that I probably, I I may have forgotten, but that doesn't mean you can, you can squelch on your bet. This is true. I I will not. So let's get into this because I asked harm right off the top through 41 games. They've got all these types of different records and shattering franchise numbers. What's impressed you the most about this team or maybe even surprised you a little bit? I think we all knew that the individual star talent was there with Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson and Thatcher Demko. I think to me, it's more the cohesion of the rest of the team and the structure that they play with that has been way more impressive. Just because you get a new coach in there doesn't necessarily mean that you can snap your fingers and everything comes together. Look at the Ottawa Senators right now. And and look, it's only been a short period of time since they fired DJ Smith, but you know, Jacques Martin is having no success getting a group of freelancers essentially (laughs) to play better. And that was kind of the stamp that existed on this Canucks team for the last couple years was a sort of group that doesn't have its act together. Maybe doesn't have the maturity to get its act together. And it takes, I think a recognition on the part of the players to want to buy in And it takes a coaching staff, and I say staff because it's not one person. I I also think that the other assistants and, and frankly, the Sedins from the skills perspective, they've assembled an all-star cast of, of coaching staff. And that's incredibly important that they've all gotten everyone on board at the same time that the players have wanted to. So that to me is, is way more impressive than any record or number that people could set up. Frank, how are other teams viewing the Vancouver Canucks right now? Because they just swept the New York teams. Uh, and I think out East, you're starting to pick up more momentum around this idea that are the Canucks a legitimate Stanley Cup contender? Do you think other executives and teams are at that point now where they're starting to view the Canucks as a legit cup contender? Yeah, I, I mean, look, I, I don't have them in that category yet. But I just taped a podcast this morning for next week with Colorado Avalanche GM Chris McFarlane. And and we were talking about the state of the Western Conference in that it's it's a meat grinder. Like it you're talking about seven authentic teams that have a chance to come through and represent the West in the cup final. I wouldn't be surprised if any of those teams, um, and I'm including Edmonton in that group as a wild card which they could grab one of those top three spots in the Pacific crazily enough. Um, I, I think the Canucks have been great. Um, I've been 
you know, one of these people not to pat myself on the back, kind of at the forefront of saying <laughs> this team's really good, but I still think they're a piece or two away from really being in that inner circle of five to six, seven teams that can, can win it all. And some people might say that part of the reason for that isn't even necessarily who they go out and acquire. Part of it is that they haven't gone through the battles, the trials and tribulations of being down in a series, being on the ropes, having your season on the line, the pressure of, you know, really putting it all together when it matters most that I do think there's an element of learning how to win that matters. And some would say you need to, you know, look at the Chicago Blackhawks in 2009 and their run to the West final. That was maybe a little bit ahead of schedule 2010. They come back and win the cup. I, I probably tend to agree with that line of thinking. I don't think it's impossible, but I do think that there's still a couple holes with this team that I think they need to go out and fill. What are the holes? I mean, look, I agree with you in your statement saying that I don't really have them as a contender yet, but I think that teams are looking at them to harm's point a lot differently than they did before the season or even right around American Thanksgiving. So they should. Yeah. If you're, if you're, you know, Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford, where do you assess your biggest holes that you probably need to fill? I think I, they're probably, you know, some of the injuries that they've had this year have highlighted this. I think they're one more true defender away. Um, and then I think up front, you're probably looking at a piece, um, you know, somewhere in your forward group that um, can be a little bit more, um, I don't know if versatile is the right word, but more of an elevator player in that, you know, if you, you need can play in the top six and if not has a really clear defined role in the bottom six, because that's kind of one thing that they, they went out and found a bunch of those, you know, pieces to help different facets of the game, whether it's penalty kill or face-offs or whatever it might be. They did a great job last summer of figuring out some of those needs. But to me, I think, you know, someone that when they're not doing the top thing, like, like look at, uh, here's a great example is, is Kuzmenko. Like everyone knows the talent that he has, you know, he is one goal away last year from 40 goals and 75 points as a rookie. His offensive ability is unquestioned, but when he's not scoring and since he's kind of continually been violating the quote unquote non-negotiables from Rick Tockett, what is he doing for you? What, how can he help you? And that's the one thing that um, if you're not scoring, get me someone at the trade deadline that you can point to and say, I know exactly what that guy's doing to help this team win. Yeah, no, I, and I think that that's one of the things that Rick Tockett, you mentioned the non-negotiables. I think that is beat into a lot of these players' minds day in and day out, day in and day out in meetings and things like that. Frank, I got to ask you, with William Nylander signing his big contract extension, a lot of eyes now turning towards, obviously, Elias Pettersson and what's going on here. We've heard a number of different things. When, what do you know and people that you've talked to, what's the latest regarding the Canucks forward? I think the Canucks are pushing hard to get something done and get an answer. I think they'd love to have this locked up, you know, even a month out from the trade deadline. That was the big push from the Leafs was we'd love to go out and, for instance, potentially get a defenseman with term using some of that John Klingberg money that we have on LTIR. Or maybe, you know, even if we have some extra cash lying around from Ilya Samsonov, depending on what they decide to do. But we can't really go out and do that until we know what Nylander is locked in at next year and beyond. From a pure, 
you know, pecking order perspective, Pedersen is obviously at the very top of that list. And I think the Canucks are kind of antsy to say, we, you know, we need to get this done. The problem is the exact opposite on the other end of it, that it's like, you know, there it's there. The other side, the Pedersen camp is they're, they're saying all the right things, you know, behind the scenes, it's been very cordial, but it's like, it's like trying to nail down water. Like you can't, you can't do it if the other side's not ready to come to the table and talk yet. And so um, I think that part has um, maybe been a source of frustration for the Canucks. If you were to inject some truth serum into them. Uh, I think the other part is, there was maybe a waiting period, not just because Pedersen's in no rush, but because you want to see how that market develops. What do teams, how do they approach contracts with the salary cap rising for the first time in four years? And the Nylander deal really helps set the table, set the market to, hey, like, you know, you now know what another, uh, you know, a scoring winger does in this league at a high end, a hundred plus point pace where does Pedersen slot in as a, a game-changing center that I think really when you you size these two guys up, it's it's hard to do. But ceiling-wise, I think Nylander is like, he's at it right now. Like he's never going to be any better than he is at this exact moment in time, which is he's fifth in league scoring. He doesn't need to be that much more. Yeah. I still watch Pedersen and I'm going, man, I think this guy's kind of still just scratching the surface. And that is the tantalizing part, but probably in terms of getting a deal done, a frustrating part. Frank, looking around the league a little bit, there's been some uh, buzz around Trevor Zegers' name, especially maybe in light of um, Ducks being able to go out and get another marquee forward in, in Cutter Gauthier. What do you make of Zegers' potential future in Anaheim? Is is he a player that the Ducks could be open to uh, listening, uh, open to listening to offers on? Yes, and he was added to the trade board, the trade targets board on dailyfaceoff.com yesterday and promptly went out and got injured. So uh, <laughs> that was a little bit frustrating in terms of the conversation and how that evolves. But on a macro level, I, I think the real truth is that people who understand the Ducks line of thinking is Pat Verbeek doesn't seem to be a believer in the style that Trevor Zegers plays, some would call it one dimensional um, that he doesn't think that that meshes with his vision of how a team should play. And when you have a player that's that creative back to back 60 point seasons, um, you know, still really quite young that goes through this sort of rough contract negotiation that he did missing the bulk of training camp with the ducks it kind of leaves a sour taste in everyone's mouth. And so then you have throw on top of it, one of his best friends in Jamie Drysdale, who also had a really tough negotiation. Um, he ends up going to Philly and, and you, you kind of look and you say, is there writing on the wall here for him to be the next guy out of town, given that they have Gauthier and given that Leo Carlson is sort of their ideal, uh, you know, superstar in the making um, and he's been really special this year. And then Mason McTavish, like they've got all these pieces that if you have a square peg in a round hole, that maybe you capitalize on some of the value that exists there. Like, I don't think anything's imminent, but I'm told and sources say that, um, he, you know, when Pat Verbeek has spoken with other teams, he's dangled the idea of, 
you know, hey, you know, Trevor Zegras might be a guy that, um, you know, we'd be willing to part with. And so that's something that has really kind of captured the attention of teams as well. Is it because Zegras doesn't really fit that style? I mean, I know Verbeek's trying to do something different there in Anaheim and the coach that they have down there as well, but is it the style of play or, or I don't even, I don't want to say the personality because you want to have so much personality in today's NHL and, and, and we love what Zegras does, but is that kind of why maybe he's the, he finds himself the odd man out a little bit? I don't think so. I mean, look in every different dressing room, there's all sorts of different personalities and quirks and, and uh, different things that, you know, happen or uh, are perceived to happen. I think he's kind of, you know, respected as someone who keeps things light and fresh. Uh, someone who is sort of the quintessential new age, next generation of NHL players that um, for whatever reason, it's not personality. I think it's more game that rubs the ducks the wrong way that, you know, they see how good he can be. And they also then, instead of, harnessing all the things that make him excellent tend to focus too much on all the other things that he doesn't do the play in his own end, the back checking, you know, attention to detail, things like that, that you see someone like Kuzmenko who reached a level already in the NHL that Zegris has not, even though yes, he's a bit older, but are driving the Canucks crazy this year. That's sort of what the ducks are experiencing and have experienced with Zegris. Frank, thank you so much for your time. We will pay tons of attention, obviously, to your trade bait board on Daily Faceoff. Uh, thanks again for joining us. Yeah, Irf, I'm just writing down here, uh, steak dinner sometime in May. So we'll Where? See you then. Uh, the most expensive place I can find. All right. Well, I'm in. All that sweet, sweet Canucks conversation money. <laughs> thanks, Frank. See you guys. Enjoy the day, buddy. That was Frank Saravelli Harm. Uh, lots to get into with Frank. I think the Zegras conversation is an interesting one because you mentioned, you know, he obviously said that, you know, the personality what is not an issue. But I think that this style of him may be something a little bit different than what Pat Verbeek is trying to do over there. Yeah. And I'll say this over the years, and it's, it's we're going to do it again where uh, the athletic does an anonymous player poll. And one of the questions is, who's the most overrated player in the league? Who's the most <laughs> underrated player, player in the league? And, and keep in mind, we're asking, like, I'm asking these questions and reporters around, uh, around the NHL are um, as well, especially, point being, I'm not just asking Canucks players, visiting teams, yes. in, I'm asking them as well. And Degris tends to be a name that pops up among, uh, among, you know, overrated players because I think they perceive him as, yeah, he can score the highlight reel goals. Uh, he has a lot of flashy skill, but they look at him as, I don't think he's a guy you can win with, whether it's true or not. And, and I'll say this, I watched a lot of Zegers recently because I was watching Drysdale in the aftermath mm-hmm. of, of that trade. And I think there's a ton of potential there. And I think if you put him in the right environment uh, with an accountable coaching staff, uh, the right veteran leadership core. I'm a big fan of the player. And I think we've seen examples of players like Tyler Sagan when Boston sort of traded him yeah. away. And, um, and Zucas is still so young that I think he can figure it out. But right now, I do think that perception exists, not just within Anaheim, but among some of his peers that, yeah, okay, he does a lot of flashy things offensively, but does, how much of that actually translates to 
winning and success and um and being more than just a one-dimensional producer it's true i mean and he's been on some pretty bad anaheim ducks teams and they stink so it's, it's just one of those things where it, it happens and things are gonna change but i want to get back to his point on elias Pettersson and the contract negotiation and what is happening or what isn't happening with the canucks forward um I think the Canucks want to sign him long-term. I, I do really think that, but I think the difficult thing for Elias Pettersson is trying to figure out if he wants to be here long-term. And I mean, you're obviously in the room a lot. I know I've been in the room a lot and, and, and covered this team and, and him all, uh, for a while. What do you make of kind of where he's at in terms of deciding what he wants to do? Yeah. I've, I've said this since the off season that he's incentivized to wait as long as possible. Yeah. I mean, before, even before he had done that interview with free with Elliot Friedman uh, of Sportsnet and said, "I'm I'm not doing this this off season. I'm waiting till the end of yeah. uh, until the end of next season." I had written an article after doing a poll of veteran NHL uh, NHL agents, and for a variety of reasons, they said that look in this situation, it's probably in in his best interest to wait as long as possible because a you get favorable contract comparables continually rolling in like the Nylander one, which sets um, and you floor. I mean, now he's look, he, he's going to get more than Nylander. So for sure, you're probably talking about 12 million. That was never really on the table um, last off season in terms of we were talking, maybe he can get to the Pasternak range. So already by waiting, he's put himself in a more favorable earning earning position. And most importantly, I think the reason why he why he took his time last offseason is he just wanted to see the future direction of this franchise. It's obviously been wildly successful season for the Canucks so far. Hopefully it continues and that's enough for um enough to convince him that he uh wants to stay here. Yeah, I think the big one of the big things was stability within the organization. I, I know that there were some things that rubbed him the wrong way uh, a little bit with people, you know, leaving the organization and things like that. So it's a matter now of you know, obviously, who your owner is. The uh, the president is going to be here if he's going to sign. If he's going to sign an extension as well, he's another one. The head coach, you know, who that is, and then I think your core group. You know, do you want to line yourself up with Quinn Hughes and three and sign a short term deal? I think we all can agree that the AAV is going to be north of 11 and a half. Like he's going to get more than Nylander. It's just a matter of where and what time. So it's an interesting conversation to have, but I think they're going to, the Canucks are going to take another run or if they haven't already um, before the all-star game and in around then. And I think after the trade deadline harm, that's probably when they're going to say, okay, let's do this in the summer because it's time to focus on winning and, and doing some damage in the playoffs. And in the meantime, the best thing the Canucks can do is literally do what they've been doing yeah. since i mean i was gonna say since the calendar flipped but i mean really since the start of the season which is just keep winning yeah proving, proving yourself as a product and um and all these things are going to give confidence to a star player that okay this franchise is is back on the right track we're fu- we're functional uh we've turned the page on the disaster and dysfunction uh that we had with uh the previous regime yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those things where you just look at it. And I think even going back to what Frank said, like, you know, you want to have the stability of an organization and, and things of that nature, but trade targets. I mean, that that that's another one where they're going to have to look at. Are they really another defenseman? I know you and I were talking before this started today. Like, are they really going to roll with that core group of defensemen? Do they really need another one? And I think the answer, well, obviously, Frank talks to people around the league is, yeah, they do. 
I think a forward's a more. I, I agree. I agree. I agree. That's a forward for sure. A defenseman would be nice. Yeah. But if you roll with these same defensemen, uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna complain or, or criticize. They definitely do need another. I mean, imagine if you could add another top nine forward, and whether it means you can keep the lotto line together, which has been such a superpower since they. Uh, have been a trio or even if it's okay we've got a new winger for Pedersen I I, I just think that is is critical for for this team because I haven't been as worried about the blue line there haven't been too many nights where I've I've been like man the, the puck moving is a problem or wow they're really struggling to defend the front of the net they've been a pretty solid group overall in that sense there have been more honestly more nights where I've been like Please give Elias Pettersson somebody besides Ilya McCabe and Sam Lafferty <laughs> to play with. Uh, so that, I, th- I think, remains the number one need in my mind. No, absolutely. And I think it's going to be fun to watch over the course of the next few weeks and, and maybe month and a bit as we approach the NHL trade deadline as to what this team's going to do. I think they're going to do something before the deadline. I think they're going to do something right around maybe the All-Star game or a little bit after that before the deadline to get the person, get the player in, obviously to have a little bit more time and things like that. But... In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Apparently, Harm, the people want you and they want your your, your read. Yes. Apparently, apparently, this has been a thing here on Canucks Conversation. I wasn't privy to it until I got here. So the floor is yours, my friend. It's time for Anyone Else, presented by DoorDash. It's our listener's chance to get involved and hit us up in the YouTube live chat. And it's also our listener's chance to get 25% off and zero deliver- delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more. That's right. For a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off and free and zero delivery free fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download their DoorDash app and enter code NATION. 25 offer valid in Canada subject to change terms apply. I made it through. That was not clean. Wow. But I tried impressive. 
I'm blocking shots on the PK. You're, you're uh, eating, you're I, eating pucks. It's not pretty, but hey, you're getting, getting it the best. done. You're getting it done. You're the you're the Bluger line. Sometimes you know it, it's not pretty, but but we'll take it. Um, definitely a lot of stuff in here. People are interested. Jeremy Lee A. What qualities best determine the best potential ceiling in a player? You know, Frank talked about William Nylander, and he's already reached his peak. But when you're watching a guy like Elias Pettersson, you're like, man, he's so good, but he can be way better. So what do you think determines that type of quality? I mean, you need the combination ultimately of talent and the right mindset in terms of an obsession with getting better. Uh, I, I mean, and, and, and I think of honestly, like, like Quinn Hughes is a good example. Elise Pedersen is a good example where these guys have unbelievable skills that there are other players around the NHL that they can, they can be the hardest working guys. They can spend 24 seven honing on hockey. They're never going to skate like Quinn Hughes. They're never going to handle a puck like Elias Pedersen. They're not going to see the plays and have the offensive vision that those two do. So first of all, I think you need that to have the high potential and then to actually reach it again it 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 sort of goes back to uh, the mindset after you have some success in the nhl do you get a little bit complacent because some guys honestly some guys in the nhl are totally content with i'm at this level i'm making good money i'm gonna uh, i'm a decent player i'm comfortable I, i don't need to be the best player on my team um they're not they don't love hockey it's it's more something that um they, they've just always been good at yeah. and uh and is their sort and is a job really whereas with hughes you can see like every off season he goes into it with a very specific part of his game that he wants to hone in on and improve so last couple last couple of seasons it's been a shot it's been i want to be an even more dangerous threat in the offensive zone and we've the, the proof is in the pudding that's why he's gotten up to being a norris trophy trophy caliber defenseman is that summer work obsessively working yeah. on working on his shot experimenting with different st- stick types but even before that after his sophomore year he was really frustrated with his defensive performance that season and he completely overhauled i don't want to say completely overhauled but he worked incredibly hard on his backward skating um watch a ton of his defensive defensive shifts back and you could see it in the 2022, sorry, 2021-22 season that, okay, he's taken a huge step defensively. Uh, that's what's allowed him to go from, okay, he's entering the league and he's a top pair defenseman. Now he's a number one the last couple of seasons. And now he's a player that right now is probably the front runner for the Norris Trophy is he, he just has that desire and yeah. that fire. And some guys don't have that. So it's the combination of the talent and uh, the obsession with your craft and the attention to, to detail. Well, I think that's one. Of, I think those three things you definitely hit the nail on the head. We'll keep going here. Uh, Corey Anderson has Brock Besser reestablished himself as part of this core going forward. Um, I think when you look at Brock Besser, he had a meeting obviously uh, with um, Patrick Alvin before or uh, before he left, obviously for the summer, and said that you know he wants to be a Vancouver, a Vancouver Canuck. Uh, there was a lot of times where you know, Brock's name has, has been in the trade conversation. I remember one time I was talking to him, he said, made it through another deadline. And I just think it's one of those things where, you know, you know, your name's always there, but I think for him mentally this summer, I think he was only off the ice for a week or two the entire summer. So I think for him putting, 
himself in his space where he was going to go and and do the work this summer you mentioned being better at your craft and doing things and you can tell he came into this season and obviously it helps when you score four goals on opening night but i think that for a guy like brock besser i think the 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 intangibles and him doing what he needed to do and have that conversation with alvin definitely helped him uh to get to where he is now with scoring as many goals as he did yeah and in terms of is he part of the core going forward i mean here's the thing He's in in an interesting spot in terms of his contract situation, yeah. Uh, because he's going to be a UFA at the end of next season. He's already at six point six five, so you're not worried about oh, you're going to have to pay him a ton more. But for me, in terms of are the Canucks going to be confident giving him the term, uh, especially as he enters his late twenties, given the injury history, it's going to be the consistency. It's unbelievable. I'm so happy for him that. Uh, he's having this um, this breakout campaign, the best season of his NHL career. Uh, but from a Canucks perspective, you almost have to wait to see how next season turns out and show that you can do it again to then be like, okay, we can commit to this guy long-term. Uh, because next season, who knows? It could be a different story. Maybe he gets hurt again. Um, maybe, you know, there are sometimes guys have career years and they just can't follow, follow it up. Um, with Brock, it is going to be the can he do it again that I think determines whether he's a part of this core long term beyond his current contract. But do you think that conversation with Brock already happened? Because he scored 29 goals his rookie season. I mean, he's he's shown that he can prove, put the puck in the back of the net. Yeah, obviously last year we know what happened and what he was dealing with and said it was tough. Like, are you comfortable if you're the Vancouver Canucks? He's making 6-6 six, six right now going anywhere between 6-8 and 7 over four or five years if he wants that. Not, I don't think it's going to be north of seven yeah, here no. in Vancouver, not a chance. I might not start with the seven, but it could be six, eight or, or six, nine. Or like, are you comfortable with that? It's hard for me to answer that right now because again, like I, I want to see him do it again because yeah, he also had the 29 goals in his uh, rookie year, but ultimately we're talking about a player that's been in the NHL for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven NHL seasons. So what he's doing now is fantastic. It's not the norm in terms yeah. of the level that he's played at. And I, I just think, especially with scoring wingers and given his, given his injury history, I, I, I'm just more careful in this circum, circumstance yeah. because look, when there's a center or a defenseman and you sign that type of guy to a long-term extension that player if it doesn't work out with them you can at least move that contract because those centermen those defensemen teams are going to pay a positional premium for that with scoring wingers if you sign a bad contract that you're just not going to be able to move it so i'm not a skeptic of brock by any means yeah i'm just saying i want to see him do it again and that's that's the beauty is they have time on their hands. They don't have to rush to make no, a decision on this um, this offseason. So my approach would honestly be a wait and see. I'm not in any rush to make a strong conclusion on um, on whether Brock should be a core piece beyond his current uh, contract. I mean, obviously, if he, if he keeps playing like this, he is. Yeah. Like, you have to. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I think Elias Pettersson and that contract is a little bit more uh, concerning yeah. for the Canucks to figure out what happens there. Grady? 
let's get you in here. You make us feel good. You make us look good. And you are making <laughs> all the buttons sound good. So what do you got? Uh, at the 41 game mark, what is the most impressive stat you guys think this Canucks team has produced to date? Most right, re- more regulation wins now than the entire last season like that that's wild to do for the vancouver canucks you look at a team that has been pretty bad they got a lot they got you know they they got beat up last year a lot on some nights but the way this team has been able to turn it around the way this team has been able to win games obviously the and then there's the other one of being completely of being unbeaten after what is it 23 games now 24 games now um where they go into the third period with the lead 24 yeah. and old, like, I mean, that's another one. They have closers. And I think having that mentality when you take a lead into the third period is so huge down the stretch. It's tough to top the regulation <laughs> wins one. I'm trying to remember what was a stat early in the season where their goal differential was yeah. on par with like the mid-80s dynasty Gretzky Oilers. That stat was pretty incredible. I can't remember what the exact terms of it were, but the basic premise was Start of the season, the Canucks goal differential, because remember, they were just blowing teams uh, out of the building. It uh, the, the last team to have that type of goal differential early in the season was, the, I think, 84-85 Edmonton Oilers. So I thought that was nuts. No, it's crazy. And I, and I think that when you look at it, I think they're at a plus 50-something goal differential right now. Like, yeah. this team kills teams, and, and they score a lot of goals. Uh, another one from Jesse... Given Garland already makes top six, quote unquote, top six money in the bottom six, is it a guarantee that Kuzmenko has to go to make room for another top six player? Can't have two five-ish million guys in the bottom six, can you? I agree, you can't. So if they're going to make a move, one of them, I mean, look, Hoaglander might be their best asset right now in terms of getting something in return, but you're going to have to move someone. Yeah, Kuzmenko's just not yeah. a fit. Whether it's at the deadline this year or in the offseason, you can tell that under Rick Tockett, I'm not confident that they're going to be able to work it out, especially as the bar for this team goes higher in terms of the expectations and the standards. It's one thing to have a player where there's not an ideal fit and you're a team that is content with, okay, we just want to make the playoffs because you can work through issues like that. But once you get to the point where, especially beyond the season, you're looking at, we don't want to be happy with just making the playoffs. We want to go on deep runs. We want to legitimately contend for a cup. That's especially when you're like, how is, how is talking going to ever trust Andre Kuzmenko um, in an elimination playoff game? He's not, I just can't fathom it. And at that point that I think, um, raises the impetus to resolve this situation because Garland at 4.95 million, I can live with that when he's turning Bluger and Joshua to bargain players who are otherwise four fine players into one of the best third lines in the NHL. Like, I, like that's full value in my opinion. It's their most dependable line too. Like, I mean, talking has no problem putting that line out at any time. And I think that that's one of the things that Connor Garland's been able to do is elevate Joshua and Bluger. Joshua's got 11 goals. Like, I mean, he's playing good hockey. He's going to make $2 million. It's not going to be here, but he's going to, he's going to make a lot of money coming up soon too. Um, Just, just going back to that last question, you're talking about goal scoring one. And I, I don't think this is the most impressive stat by any means, but was looking at it last night, last year, Canucks collectively 22 goals from the back end, the worst in the league at the halfway point of this season, they're already at 20, which has them tied for ninth. And, you know, 
you don't need necessarily need a lot of goal production from your back end, but it's such a good added bonus to be able to get that. And for years now, dating back to that 2011 era, like the Canucks have had absolutely nothing, nothing from their back end. Now, Quinn Hughes, the last couple of years, he's, you know, the shot isn't where it is this year, but all of a sudden you add Hughes into that mix. You add Hironic, you know, a guy like Susie can put the puck in the net, uh, Zadorov too. I think that's kind of like an underrated element is just how productive the back end has been this year. And then harm to our, you know, discussion the other day about stacking the lotto line with Hughes and Hironic at 5v5. Like that's where you really start to see this team put into a higher gear. How much money has Quinn Hughes made people that he's played with <laughs> other than himself? Like Rodick is going to get paid. Yeah. Uh, Luke Shen found himself a pretty nice contract out of that, continued his yeah. hockey career. I mean, Chris Tanev obviously was what uh, and, and things like that are what happened there. But yeah, it's just, it's just wild how good that guy is. And you meant obviously great. You mentioned defense by committee. We, we laughed at it to start in the year. And now a lot of us are eating our words. Yeah, it's, I mean, just on the season as a whole, I mean, another thing that uh, I didn't anticipate working out this well, which Frank touched on a little bit, was I under, like, I, I viewed Tockett when he came in as a pretty good coach. Yeah. But I, I underestimated how quickly and effectively he fixed the structure of this team defensively. Mm-hmm. This team, before Tockett took over, was just surrendering grade A odd man rushes like nobody's business. One of the most disorganized, chaotic defensive environments in the NHL <laughs> seemed every night like they weren't a proper NHL team defensively. And when Jim Rutherford would go on these radio hits and say, uh, we don't have the structure right now, I, I, I said, yeah, you don't have it, but I didn't think coaching could make that big of an impact. Mm-hmm. He was right. I, I I honestly looked at it as you've got to totally overhaul the personnel before you, you even start talking about personnel. And of course they have overhauled the personnel in the bottom six and, and on the blue line. Um, so you've had both factors weigh in, but I didn't think you'd have this stark of a difference. And that's why this team, in addition to all the goals they're scoring, um, and of course, goaltending has been a big part of it yeah. as well, but they're also one of the best teams in the NHL at preventing goals against. We haven't even talked about the goaltending. We'll get into them a little bit after this. But yeah, no, I, I too, totally agree to your point. I mean, they, they don't pull the puck out of their net that much anymore, and that's obviously a positive sign. It's going to help you on more nights than not. Time for our Betway Bet of the Day, brought to you by Betway. So I'm looking at the Philadelphia Flyers. Just because of whatever has gone on with this team and Cutter Gauthier and then the torch short press conferences, they're up against the Minnesota Wild. Uh, rookie goaltender going in for the Wild. I've got the Flyers to win on the money line and Travis Konechny to get a point. That's one of their pre-build bets on Betway that gives us plus 110. Konechny was on a six-game point streak. He's really one of the only Philadelphia Flyers that's putting up a lot of points this season and, and, and playing well, Harm. But uh, he must be 19-plus to play. If you choose to play, please play responsibly. I wanted to get into something because I think it's interesting. The NBA and Netflix announced they're going to do a similar show to the, M- the NFL one in quarterback, okay? So it's where they fall around some of the league's biggest stars and things like that, Patrick Mahomes, Kirk Cousins. So the NBA is LeBron James, Jason Tatum, Anthony Edwards, Jimmy Butler, and DeMontis Zabonis. Who would you like to see if they ever did an NHL version and include two Canucks? Okay, so I thought about this a little bit before <laughs> because you, you told yeah. me. Among the Canucks, I think it's 
JT Miller. I agree. I have him on mine. Uh, like, dude, especially like there's so many stories you cannot even get into yeah. when you're just around the locker room and yeah. the things you see in the stories. He is so funny to be around. And I think just by far the best Canuck for something like that. And then Andre Kuzmenko, I just think he's a totally different cat. Um, pro- probably the most charming personality on this team. Okay, yeah. may- maybe not having the most fun this year, but if you could <laughs> go back last season and uh, and tape Happy Kuzmenko, follow him around at the rink at um, at home. He has a lot of weird quirks. Where like I remember when he first got here, people were commenting that his water bottle. He- he needs boiling hot water in there. Like he doesn't drink normal room, like normal temperature water. He needs boiling. Like somebody does that for him as of last season. So just a lot of um, fun, uh, interesting quirks like that. So I, I think those would be my two Canucks. Beyond that, I think you need Sidney Crosby just because. Do you? Here, here's the thing. I, I'm also thinking about, thinking about it from a commercial perspective. It's the best player in the league. Best player for. I don't want McDavid. No, I don't want McDavid either. Matthews. No. But Crosby, I think everybody respects him, and he he'll be like the Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is like (laughs) the boring, like wholesome family guy. That's gonna be said for this, and that'll get you a lot of casual viewers who are like, I want to see what Sidney Crosby's up to. And then for fun, uh, I want Jack and Luke Hughes together in New Jersey. Um, Obviously, if you taped it in the off season, you get Quinn Quinn in there as well. And then I'm torn. I think you need a villain. I think you need a villain personality. So either like a Brad Marchand or a Matthew Kachuk. Okay. I, I look, we're, we're pretty similar. I have Jack Hughes on mine too. My other Canuck was Rick Talkett. Cause like what's Rick doing after yeah. a win in his office? Like he's, he probably feels pretty damn good about himself right now. And Rick talking what him and his staff have been able to do. So some of those conversations would be funny. You mentioned boiling water. I mean, he's definitely making the blood boil. This Menko <laughs> is of, of Rick Talkett. Uh, William Nylander, because I don't know how many players can say like, I want to be in Toronto. I love it. This is my city. This is where I, where I do it. This is where I make my craft. And William Nylander, like, really, really, really likes Toronto. I mean, from the fashion aspect of it, the restaurants, he's just a different cat in all around. I think that one would be cool. And then I, I don't have villain, but I have Drew Doughty. Just oh, okay. because Drew be a good one. that, like, I think to me would just be comical. And yeah. you know you have him mic'd up on the ice. The guys want everything you can possibly win as a defenseman in the, in the NHL and obviously at the international level. But I think that one uh, would be, would be pretty cool. Grady, you got anybody? I forgot to, to, to text you about this, but if you could follow around five guys or, or have a documentary series, who do you like? I was going to say the Kachuk brothers for yeah. sure. Um, hmm. Maybe Nikita Kucherov. Just okay. I think he's a bit of a loose cannon sometimes. Some of that Russian gasoline. Yeah. Um, just going off the top of my head here. Oof. Who else out there? Who uh, on the Canucks then? You know, I think I think Connor Garland would be. <laughs> oh yeah, he'd be a good he's one. He's got a good personality, and I think he's pretty funny too. Um, Philip Peronic, just because he not, doesn't do media and nobody really seems to know anything, but I don't know if he'd be down to do that. Um, Casey DeSmith, perhaps. He just seems like such a likable, easygoing, fun guy. Yeah, the, the interesting one you say to Smith because the backup goalie. Yes, I think quirky. I think that is the angle that yeah. that whoever's doing or Netflix, whoever and, does it would would have to go. Yeah. And I mean, like, listen, he's not a big household name. He's not going to be drawing in, you know, a lot of viewers. But I think if you did it locally 
Canucks fans would would have some interest in that. And just like his interview with Kate last night, like he's yeah, he's a well spoken dude. Um, who else around the league? I, I think Brad Marchand, just because the villain angle too, uh, he would be up there for me. And yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Yeah, it's funny. Like you look at the names, and you know, everyone I think kind of agrees. There's like a top ten list of names that everyone kind of has. Like I have Ovi would be cool yeah. like you know just yeah. kind of see him how his career's kind of gone and what he's and how he is now after winning the cup um some of the younger guys obviously jack and luke hughes <laughs> trevor zekris would yeah. be an interesting one right i mean did it's... you see his uh did you see the quote about like before the drysdale um yeah trade about... we do everything together oh, we yeah. do everything together we pee together we <laughs> i mean that was funny yeah i mean of course and that ducks team like you look at it they They've got some studs up front like that. They could be good in quite some time. I mean, it depends on their goalie situation and whatever. But like, yeah, I I, I definitely think that, that that's an interesting one there for sure. They're going to be a scary team in the future. They're not there yet. And it's going to take them time to climb out of the rebuilding phase. But yeah, the core pieces that they have up front on the back end. And even in that, I'm a big believer in Lucas Dostal. Yeah. I think he's a bright young talent and behind a pretty brutal defensive team. I think he's played pretty well considering how young he is. Um, but yeah, I think they're, they're probably a threat and you know, whether it's two years, three years, four years, they're a team to watch for. for sure. And that depth on defense is pretty much one of the reasons why they were able to move Drysdale yeah. and upgrade that forward group, which is already pretty impressive to begin with. Now, if they move Zegris, you know, that, who knows if they get a forward back or wh- whatever route they choose to go, but they're going to get another high pick this year. Yeah. So uh, quads is wagon ducks uh, might actually be a legit wagon in a year, or a couple of years here. Yeah. I mean, if they get, if they move Zegers, you know, you're, you're getting a lot yeah. for him. And I think that's huge. Uh, final one for us uh, quickly, your MVP at the halfway point from the Vancouver Canucks. Quinn Hughes. Yeah. He's, he, he's the front runner for the Norris at this point, in my opinion, the way he can controls the play on a night in night out by night night in night out basis on point for over a hundred points as a defenseman. Yeah. Um, he's my MVP. I'm going off the board again because I know people are going to get mad at me for it, but Rick Tockett, because I think that whatever he sold this team and the vision that he had when he was brought in as a head coach, he took it into the summer and he drilled it into the heads of every single player. And then they came in this season and then they've got off to the start that they did. And, and I think it's wild for her team to have this much belief. And I think like, look after wins, after losses, you know, he's pretty much the same guy. He has no problem still absolutely eviscerating his team or players when they don't play well. And so it's, I, I think it's him for sure. That's not a bad take. Although <laughs> I'm not going to lie. That sounded super corny when I first heard it. I, yeah. I, I was like, you're going to give it, give it to the, uh, give the MVP to the coach. But I mean, yeah, he has had a tremendous impact. He's going to at this, at this rate, Jack Probably Adams front, front, front runner for the Jack Adams. So that's uh interesting off the board one. Yeah. Harm. Thank you so much for this. This was great. I hope we get to do it again soon. Yeah, this was, this was a blast. And I, I should mention quad still did some of our show show prep and littered all over the, um, the doc. It's just notes about, Oh, cause can hustle on the four check. Wow. Cause can hustle on the four check. He even did a joke back Kuzmenko to Forecheck versus Pittsburgh at plus 900 odds uh, because him and I had a yes. debate yesterday on the show where I was basically like, I don't think he's ever going to be like a good Forecheck or ever like get it. Uh, whereas Quads was 
was just insistent that he's got to show more. And um, all I'll say quads is wake me up when he can do it consistently. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, if you're playing 10 minutes a night and you're not playing and you're on the power, first unit power play and you still don't do anything, there's something in it. But with that, we'll <laughs> quads the slacker taking the maintenance day today. Just quickly, I just want to shout out uh, Arshdeep Baines named oh, AHL yes. All-Star yeah. uh, point per game in his second full year pro hockey. It's, it's pretty impressive. No, absolutely. Um, good for him. The All-Star game, I think, is on the 5th, right after the NHL All-Star game, the AHL All-Star game in San Jose. So, uh, yeah, it should be a string. Harm again, thank you so much for this. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, Canucks Convo. Canucks Conversation with Harmon and Quads every weekday at 2 p.m. Be sure to check it out on the Canucks Army YouTube channel. And if you missed it, go check it out on your favorite podcast catcher app.